G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. He had mentioned he had a bit of a sketchy past, didn't exactly say what exactly. And in our conversation, he did say, I have done some bad things at previously, but working with you and seeing the generosity we were offering at our shelter or at the drop-in, um, he wanted to change his ways or be a better person. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Gloria Anderson, who was abducted from her home in 2011 by a boarder who she let stay at a granny flat on the back of her property. This began a three-day horrific ordeal that included being mocked for her faith and enduring extreme physical torment. Gloria is now seeking to help others who've gone through similar traumatic experiences. Last time, she shared her background growing up in India, in a family that regularly helped people by having them stay in her home. Also, she shared that she always had a heart for helping marginalised people, just like her role model, Mother Teresa. Today, Gloria will share more of her life journey and the events leading up to her abduction. And parents, once again, we want to remind you that because of the adult themes that will be discussed, today's program is not recommended for children. Also, the topics of violence and assault have the potential to trigger painful memories in those who've had similar experiences. So some adult listeners may prefer to avoid today's program as well. Once again, Gloria Anderson, along with her friend Priscilla Chandra, have joined Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. They're picking up the story as Gloria is in her late teens in India. Okay, and meanwhile, you're growing as a Christian. Yes. And you decided to get involved in ministry. Yes. With Youth with a Mission, yes. otherwise known as YWAM. YWAM. Uh- my mum uh, was doing her, she was doing uh, CGDS herself. She was doing. What is that? It is a course in YWAM. It's called Discipleship Training School. Okay. Um, so my mum did that. While she was doing her outreach, um, I joined her. Okay. Oh, your mother was already a part of yeah. the mission. Yeah. So while she was doing, I joined her, mm-hmm. I guess, because me, I was the youngest out of uh, seven siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 15, I think. Mm. So why did you want to be in ministry? I I should say I was sent there. <laughs> oh. I was sent. oh, you didn't have a choice. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. I was sent there, but I think it was, in hindsight, it was the best thing mm-hmm. in so mm-hmm. many ways. Um, it... At that time, it 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 fitted um, that period of my time in, in that life. Um, and on a practical level, they have discipleship training classes. Yeah, the tra- so you, training school. So uh, you can learn how to grow and learn the Bible. Yes, uh, which I did, and it was some of my best time during worship. I think were in YWAM uh, while doing DTS. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I definitely I learned a lot. Um, 
YWAM, I spent about five years in YWAM. Mm-hmm. And also while I was in YWAM, we obviously moved places in YWAM. There were mm-hmm. different places in YWAM in, across India. Mm-hmm. So it was not just in one city. It was out. I went up north, then I went down, you know, central. So I moved around a fair bit mm-hmm. in the, within the organization. And in one of those moves, that's where I met um, my future husband, um, now we're separated, mm. uh, however, sadly. Mm. And then we were friends for a bit of a time. I, um, between that period of time, I uh, I went back home. Mm. And during that time, I was also being, um, I think, I don't know, my mum. It's, it's part of the cultural thing where... Uh, a girl often is a liability. So um, my mom, her way of, I guess, I don't know, lightening her load was um, to have me married off. So your mother wanted you to get married? Yes. My mother wanted me to get married. Um, I was arranged to be married to somebody where this gentleman obviously even had a conversation with my mom. I refused that proposal uh one of the ways of dealing with that, my mom um, sent me to live uh, with my sister. In that meantime, I did message all my friends requesting them to pray, saying, I don't want to get married at this young age, probably wait a while. How old were you? I was 18. Okay. About to turn 19. And then at that time, uh, my future husband, he uh, he messaged uh, saying, I would like to come and visit um, uh, and come and help out at the school, which which made sense that mm. we have we always have people come and visiting and helping at the school, being the area it is. And that's when I, I had no um, idea he liked me or... Mm. Uh, and he's from Australia? He's from Australia, so mm. I had no indication. So, um, and so he tried to follow the traditional protocol and ask the family. Mm-hmm. And I initially freaked out. I was like, I said no to one marriage proposal. How am I going to say yes to the other one? This <laughs> does not make sense. But I eventually, he actually had a dream of my past, which I hadn't shared. So that it at that time made sense. And that obviously confirmed, mm-hmm. I prayed into it. And then I said yes. And we were married pretty much uh, very, very soon. In about three months, we were mm. married. And that explains how you eventually end up in Australia. Yes. Uh, we stayed in YWAM for a period of time after that mm. and then came for a visit here in Australia. And that's where, uh, while we were here, I felt pregnant with our first child. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this was the first grandchild from his side of the family, so they wanted the grandchild to be born here so mm-hmm. we had to go through all that uh, process traveling back and forth and we um, had our first child here and mm-hmm. then uh, then we moved back for a period of time and then we came back in, in 2004 with my permanent residency and I was pregnant with my second child by then. Okay and both of you your yeah. husband at that time now yeah. ex-husband both you and he had a heart for doing ministry and helping out marginalized people in society? We always did. Yeah. Um, he was actually studying community development at the time, and that was uh, also, I guess, a main common theme we had together. We both wanted to serve the serve the people and um, help the uh, 
people in slums uh, or yeah, going even, back to your yeah. liking Mother Teresa and what she was doing. Yeah. So this ties right in with all that. Yeah. So we it it we really wanted to do that, and we thought we would uh, come to Australia, have a have used this as a home base, and then go back and serve. Also, while we were waiting here, we wanted to continue serving, not just because we mm-hmm. were here for a period of time. We didn't want to just waste that, just doing nothing. That's when, um, not long after our daughter was born, we we were looking of ways to serve the community. And that's where we found a drop-in center in uh, Daninong. And that's where we served. Uh, we actually literally just walked in. and And what kind of a ministry is that? It's a drop-in center. What does that mean? Uh, where people can just come in for a free meal. They can get food parcels. We can. Uh, there's all this free bread and other facilities that's uh, provided there. Along, uh, we also provide free laundry services. There's a van that comes uh, that provide free laundry services. You can have showers. People who are mm-hmm. struggling to have showers. Mm-hmm. Um, we once a month we get a optometrist. Um, do eye checkups and you know get really cheap. wow just really helping yeah people out there's yeah. a there's a nurse that comes uh, weekly uh, dealing with homeless people mm. so with medical needs uh, there's all sorts of services there's yeah. counseling there's mm. a variety uh, range of uh, services that this drop-in provides so this is scratching all the itches so to speak of your desire to help marginalized people in society yes. Yes. Uh, And I think this is about when my wife, Gina, and I met you. Yes. uh, At the same church that we were attending at that time. Yes. Yes. Uh, Actually, I had a dream uh, about this particular place and where I felt like this drop-in center was like a lighthouse in that that Mm -hmm. town, uh, Mm -hmm. was where people are being drawn. And uh, we work very closely with the council. We work very closely with a lot of other government agencies and uh, providing facilities. All through COVID, uh, we were one of the agencies that were open and providing food parcels for people when they were in lockdown. Yeah. So this is a ministry that you continue to be involved in to this day. Yes. I'm part of the – I'm on the board at the moment. This is – exactly what you enjoy doing definitely i love people mm-hmm. love uh love human beings in general as much despite everything you've gone through yes you still have a heart for helping people yes uh because i the way i see people is as messed up as we are god loves us mm-hmm. regardless and his heart is more for the poor more heart for the needy i often say if jesus came today would he be um sitting in hillsong or would he be sitting in the drop-in center with us nothing against <laughs> hillsong but i take your point yeah but he would be with the, the marginalized in society and i often say i'd rather be where jesus would be mm-hmm. and um yeah, definitely. That was that's where I feel mm-hmm. most comfortable at mm-hmm. and helping and serving people. Yeah, and that started with just being at the drop-in center, but yeah. then it started to expand to your home as well. Yes, we all. Uh, I guess that whole childhood open house living sort of carried with me and also influenced the way we had a house and. Um, we always wanted an open house. We had discussed it. And then one day, we, um, one of the regulars at the drop-in center, uh, he was, he just came in. Uh, he was not well. The, his feet absolutely infected. Mm-hmm. 
and it had gone so bad that he uh, obviously you know, didn't go to the doctors for treatment. He didn't want to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to go to the clinic. And his feet was uh, just oozing out with pus and stuff. And so he, mm. and he came to our house. And uh, so I washed his feet, tried to clean it. took me about... You three- were Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I don't yeah. know. But I, I mean, that's, that's really... Seriously, though, that's really putting your faith into action. Uh, at that time, I guess that's where my mom's side or my yeah. dad's side, the medical side of me, sort of, sort of, you know, passed down or what I had observed from my parents, sort of came yeah. down. Hmm. Um, it took me about four buckets of water to wash it hmm. till the water was clear, <laughs> but um, it it was painful. Uh, but I could not let him just go out in the street, hmm. and that was one day where I had to ask. Uh, we have to, I think, so let him stay in our place. And mm-hmm. I remember discussing that with my husband then. Are we okay letting him stay? Uh, what if something happens to our kids? Mm. What if something happens to us? Yeah. What if yeah. What if we get robbed? Um, mm. Are we still willing to have this person in our house? Mm. And we prayed that night, and the answer was yes. Mm. The answer was yes. And... So I barely slept that night, but mm. that was the beginning of us taking people in mm. into our house on a regular basis. Uh, I, I, we took in couples. At one time, we had a couple with two dogs and two cats and plus my cat. And So not just taking people in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. We had a whole zoo. <laughs> wow. So your faith was being tested in more ways than one, it sounds like. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> hmm. But that's we had a the full heart house that you had. Yes, I, and that's where I felt uh, most uh, comfortable. Not mm-hmm. probably not the right word I'm using here. But a lot of people would not be comfortable with that. I mean, I have to be honest. I don't know that I would be comfortable with somebody just off the street. Staying in our home. Uh, that's where I would say uh, probably not comfortable. That's where I felt. That's where I needed to be. That's mm. where. That's where. That's what I was called to be mm. on. To be and to do and to be there for the people. Yeah. Regardless of who or what background they came from. That was your conviction. Yes, definitely. And you didn't just believe it in theory. You put your faith into action. Yes, I, I think that also attributed a lot from my childhood because I saw the conflicting mm-hmm. um, theology at the childhood from my mom's church and I was so adamant to practice out my faith as I read and understood the word of God. Not just say it in theory yes, and do something else, but actually to act it, to act it out yeah. and to what that really meant. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Gloria Anderson, who was abducted from her home by a person she was trying to help in 2011. We'll hear more of Gloria's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Eric Scadabo chatting with Gloria Anderson, who was abducted from her home in 2011 by a boarder who she let stay at a granny flat on the back of her property. We heard before the break how Gloria always had a desire to help downtrodden people in society, and she came from a family in India that regularly had people stay in their home. Now we'll hear what happened next in Gloria's life. Okay, Gloria, at this point in your story, things are going well. You're yep. helping out at a drop-in center, which is basically a place where marginalized people, homeless people can get help. Yep. You shared about that powerful story of washing the feet of a homeless person. His name was Warren, is that right? Yep. Yeah. And then he went on to actually live on your property, is that right? Yes. Um, temporarily, he... for couple of period of time he was because he was homeless he was living because we were living in um in a flat and so there was an area near a place um had a little shed so he would come and sleep there occasionally and then we realized that was not a place for somebody to stay uh, we actually moved to a place where it actually had a granny flat um where he could have a decent bed mm-hmm. um and Warren actually improved a lot while he was with us mm-hmm. and um, would occasionally, you know, um, he, he struggled with alcoholism mm-hmm. due to depression and all sorts of stuff. Um, and somehow in that meantime, we also managed to get in touch with his sister and his family. Um, his, I believe his son came and visited, mm-hmm. visited him as well. And... We moved to this place where he actually stayed. Uh, so altogether, he lived with us for three or on and your a, property on our property yeah. in 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 the granny flat at the back for about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you eventually led him to Christ. Yes, I did have moments where I shared, um, and he struggled, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he I did lead him to Christ at one point. So you're helping people. Yes. I mean, it's got to be very gratifying. This yes. is what you wanted to do from a young age. Yes. Ever since learning about Mother Teresa. Yeah. So it's all happening. You are helping the marginalized yep. and the down and outers in society. Yeah. But then things kind of took a turn for the worse. Uh, yes. Uh, in that course of time, unfortunately, um, me and my husband, we separated. Uh, we went our different ways, but we, because our kids were very young, mm-hmm. and I'm not the sort of a person who kind of can hold grudges for too long. Mm-hmm. I might be angry for a week, probably. Mm-hmm. You might see it on my face. You could probably read it. Huh. Um, that's about my level of anger, probably, that carries. Um, so we have uh, maintained to be good friends. To this uh, day. To this day, yes. Mm-hmm. And, we, and my mother-in-law still comes and drops in for a coffee or a tea. Mm-hmm. We st- so we still, uh, still have a good relationship with, uh, with my in-laws. And you still work together at the drop-in center? Uh, we did for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And we continued uh, serving that um, for, um, I believe he stayed on for another probably three years or so, mm-hmm. but I continued uh, working To this there. day? Yeah. Okay. All right, that takes us up to 2011? Yes. Um, when unfortunately, the abduction occurs. Yes. Warren left, and uh, not long after Warren left, uh, just about that time, there was another volunteer at 
uh, a center where he was looking for a place. Um, so I guess I thought that was timely. Mm. So I uh, and he was struggling at his place and he, he didn't want to stay. Apparently, it was not safe. So I offered offered him to come and move in to the granny flat eventually. So and that was Darren. Yes, that was Darren. Now, when I heard that you were abducted, I have to admit, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, one of the persons that you were helping, a homeless person who maybe had mental illness, was the person who abducted you. Yes. But that wasn't the case. No, he It was actually somebody who was helping, a helper, a volunteer, who was helping homeless people. Yes. He was a volunteer. He was was a volunteer, and he helped... um, he got sent actually by Centrelink to first initially get some assistance for himself, get a food parcel. He had lost his job or something. It was in, in transition in between jobs. He came to the center and then in that time he offered to come and he said, while I'm still finding another job, can I come and volunteer? And we offered him the place. So he uh, he was volunteering. He helped out in the kitchen. He helped out, you know, sort of like a security guard. Apparently, he had done that job previously uh, in Sydney. So you had no idea. There was no indication that this was a mentally unstable person. Definitely not. Definitely not. What were your general impressions of him? General impression of him was he was just a big, happy guy. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's how... Fun to be around? Definitely. Always cracking jokes, Mm. always laughing. um, And that's how everybody in the center and even where we were living that's how people remember him mm. um he was just this big happy guy almost almost what we often say as you know a big teddy bear sort mm. of a personality so well liked yes definitely. definitely but you didn't know he had a criminal past he had mentioned he had a bit of a sketchy past, didn't exactly say what exactly. Mm. And his in our conversation, he did say, I have done some bad things that previously, mm. but I want to have a fresh start. Mm-hmm. I want to start new. I want to put those things mm-hmm. behind and working with you and seeing the generosity we were offering at our shelter or at the drop-in, um, he wanted to change his ways mm. or be a better person. Mm-hmm. And he often um, mentioned those sentiments. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking, okay, this is somebody who's had a bad past. We yep. know about bad past. Yes, we all do. turn a new leaf yes. and is trying to have a better future. Yes. So with that uh, knowledge already uh, already had... Um, and, you know, as Christians, and I think so that this conversation I often have with myself as well, um, we all have a bad past in the sense we all are sinners. And yep, we're all sinners, fall short of the glory of God. Yes, and mm-hmm. and as a Christian, in if I can't extend grace, then what's the use of me mm-hmm. being a Christian? Um, and that's that's the whole crux of what holds what I do mm-hmm. and how I see my faith as Mm -hmm. and um, so obviously not knowing what exactly he had done Mm -hmm. or wasn't aware of exactly what had happened he he moved in and so to the granny flat on the back of your property so not actually in your house Um, there he was absolutely fine we uh, you know 
my kids absolutely loved him. He mm-hmm. played with my kids, mm-hmm. you know, or even walked them to school occasionally. Um, if they were, you know, you know, clashing times or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he absolutely became a family member. Mm-hmm. And were there other people around? By that time, eventually down the road, um, at the end, it was just him. Mm-hmm. So he stayed. Um, with me for about eight months. But as soon as the the last border left, um, his attitude changed. Mm. Uh, he started, he was showing interest in me and then at the same time, I would say inappropriate advances as well, even mm. though I tried to reject. And then on- you were, you were making it plain that you weren't interested. Yes. Uh, there were a whole lot of reasons. Mm. A, the biggest one for me was the fate is like, he was not a Christian. Yeah. And meanwhile, emotionally, you're going through a divorce. Yes. I'm, Separation, you're in turmoil. Yes. Um, going through divorce, going through also not not just the part of the divorce, but also dealing with the whole burden of me being the first family member in my whole family to be technically divorced. Yeah. Yeah, and carrying that burden as well, mm-hmm. and that was that was massive. Mm-hmm. And for uh, so, I had to actually announce it in the family, saying, "I do not want to hear anything mm-hmm. negative. We are both committed to look after our children. Mm-hmm. That's a main thing. But because it's a taboo, and mm-hmm. um, at that time, even now, it is with uh, your Indian heritage. Yes, and divorce just isn't done." just doesn't happen they'll stay mm. separated for mm. years they'll die separated but mm. they'll never have a paper document that says mm-hmm. divorce and i was the first one in the family mm-hmm. so, so you're going through a lot at this time yes so that i was dealing with all of that i had uh, separated and i was mm-hmm. my least of my worries was some other guy interested in me so and there you was made a lot that happening. plainly known you weren't interested yes but he didn't take no for an answer no, he didn't. Uh, he did, for a period of time, he did say, okay, fine, you know, whatever. He backed off for a period of time um, mm. after his first advances, should I say, uh, first major advances uh, for a month or two, mm. two, three months. And then and then one day after a birthday party, we had gone for one of, the, uh, one of our other volunteers. Um, we came home and he snapped. Well, that was part two of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Gloria Anderson, who's sharing with us her life journey and the events leading up to her abduction in 2011 by a boarder who she let stay at a granny flat on the back of her property. Also in the studio was Gloria's friend, Priscilla Chandra, who's providing moral support as Gloria recalls these painful events. And I have to say, there are many tragic, heartbreaking aspects to Gloria's story. But the one that sticks out the most in my mind at this point is how her good intentions to help people were taken advantage of and were used against her. Jesus warns us that the thief, or in other words, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Also, Jesus warns, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. 
Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Sadly, we have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we need to be alert to his deceptive and evil ways at all times. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of Gloria's story. And we invite you to join us again next time for part three. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I don't know how long I was there. Approximately, police thinks about four hours. I was locked up in the cupboard. And I managed to somehow take the duct tape off my mouth. And I started pushing the cupboard uh, door with my legs and my feet while uh, leaning against the wall. And um, the door did eventually give away. And then I just ran Gloria Anderson was abducted from her home in 2011 by a boarder who she let stay at a granny flat on the back of her property. This began a three-day ordeal that eventually ended when she managed to escape. Gloria will share more of her incredible story next time. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.